0: Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode about the book Love and Work by Marcus Buckingham. Keep listening to find out why a little bit of love goes a long way at work. welcome back I'm your host Steph Clark and each week I share with you the three big ideas from the best non-fiction books that I've been reading and do the reading so you don't have to. This week it is the new book by Marcus Buckingham Love and Work which was something that quite appealed to me as someone who does really enjoy work and thinks that it's there to be enjoyed rather than endured in the most part. This is a topic that I was really interested in getting into. I was actually, my attention was drawn to the book because I listened to Marcus on an episode of The Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett and it was a really good conversation, really interesting Lots of things I wanted to kind of dig into more, so picked up the book and started reading that a couple of weeks ago uh, and binge binge read it over the last few days because I really wanted to talk about it this week. Uh, So it goes to show that I sometimes am not quite as organised as I'd like to be in reading these books. So yesterday I booked myself into a hot uh, and infrared sauna for an hour because I knew that I couldn't take my phone in there, but I could take my Kindle and so I could get through a significant portion of what I had left to read of this book whilst also sweating out the week so that is the the book i will also link to that episode of diary of a ceo as well because it's well worth a listen if i'm honest i'd say that reading some of the content uh, around the book or some of the ideas around the book and listening to that episode and maybe listening obviously to this podcast as well with some of the big ideas might be better than reading the book but i won't go too much into that because in a rare kind of overlap this week in the bookmark newsletter i am talking about and doing a proper review of this book things I like things I didn't like so much and my kind of overall rating or review of the book so it's a double double kind of whammy of love and work this week so if you haven't already signed up to the bookmark newsletter and you would like twice a month to have some snippets some ideas of what to read what to listen to what to watch in your inbox then you can head over to the top of the show notes click the link and sign up to receive that and like i said this week's one will be a review of this book love and work all right let's get into a little bit as usual about the author and a little bit about the book to give you a little bit more background and then we'll obviously get into the three big ideas Marcus Buckingham is the author of two of the best selling business books of all time, has two of Harvard Business Review's most circulated industry changing cover articles, and has been the subject of in depth profiles in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forbes, Fortune, Fast Company, The Today Show, and The Oprah Winfrey Show. After spending two decades studying excellence at the Gallup organization and co-creating the StrengthsFinder tool, he built his own coaching and education firm, the Marcus Buckingham Company. As CEO, he quickly turned it into a human capital management company, working with some of the world's largest organizations. He is known as the world's most prominent researcher on strengths and leadership at work and today leads research at the ADP Research Institute challenging entrenched preconceptions about achievement to get to the core of what drives success marcus's strengths-based approach is defining the future of work as we know it so that's a little bit about marcus that's taken from his website marcusbuckingham.com i'll link to that in the show notes a little bit about the book You've long been told to do what you love. It sounds simple, but the real challenge is how to do this in a world not set up to help you. Most of us actually don't know the real truth of what we love, what engages us, and what makes us thrive, and our workplaces, jobs, schools, even our parents are focused instead on making us conform. Sadly, no person or system is dedicated to discovering the crucial intersection between love and work or what we love to or how what we love to do and how you contribute it to others. In this eye-opening, uplifting book, Buckingham shows you how to break free from this conformity, how to decode your own loves, turn them into the most powerful expression, and to do the same for those you lead and those you love. How can you use love to reveal your unique gifts? How can you pinpoint what makes you stand out from anyone else? How can you choose roles in which you'll excel? Love and Work unlocks the answers to all these questions and more, so you can describe yourself compellingly in job interviews, choose the right role on the team, mould your existing role so that it calls upon the very best of you, position yourself as a leader in such a way that your followers quickly come to trust you, and make lasting change for your team, your company, your family, and your students. Love, the most powerful of human emotions, the source of all creativity, collaboration, insight, and excellence, has been systematically drained from our lives, our work, our teams, and our classrooms. It's time we brought the love back in love and work shows you how and that's taken from loveandwork.org i'll pop a link to that as well you can also take your own little strengths assessment there worth having a look at the the website or the sort of mini site for the book there's a little learning hub which has got other resources and things that you can pick on and pick from as well all right let's get into the three big ideas from the book love and work by marcus buckingham Big idea number one, you are weird, but nobody cares. From an early age, we're pushed in certain directions. And often those directions have little to do with our unique strengths, preferences, loves, desires. More often than not, we are told that we are constantly pushed to work on our weaknesses or our development areas, rather than actually focusing on what we love and what we're good at. When you get to work, you're given goals from above, a performance review that ranks you soullessly against your peers and put it towards a fixed career path. We're obsessed from a really young age with children putting people in categories, putting people in little boxes and making them kind of fit into a certain group. It's designed this way, not through malice necessarily, but through this search for efficiency and standardization, but at the cost of people's unique contribution that they can make. The idea of weird is actually it's a it's not weird the way you would maybe thinking about it it's weird as in w-y-r-d it's actually an ancient norse term and it's the idea that each person is born with a distinct spirit a spirit unique to you that guides you to love some things and loathe others so while some of you with your woo-woo detectors and this was certainly me might be like uh what spirit no no thank you i don't know the idea itself is kind of compelling even if you kind of dismiss the word spirit well that's not your not your jam but to find it and to be able to use it, you've got to trust in the things that you love. Your weird can be found in your red threads. And this is a, a thread that goes throughout the book. So your red threads are the times that you lose track of time. It's the idea of that flow state. It's the the situations where you're the only one to notice something. You're the only one who can come up with a new way of doing things, of improving things. You, Like I said, you lose track of time and you have to get to kind of drag yourself away from doing that particular thing. And remember, your loves live in motion, not in balance. So there's quite a few kind of common ideas that Marcus dismisses or sort of snubs in the book. And one of them is this idea of, kind of work-life balance and the idea that those are two distinct different things. He talks about the fact that balance is very much like, all right, things are good. Let's keep them exactly the same. When actually, that's, that's not great. We kind of need a little bit of energy, a bit of motion, a bit of dynamism in our lives. And that is where we can best use the things that we love. So that's big idea number one. You are weird but nobody cares. Big idea number two is a little bit of love every day. Love belongs at work and without it work would be and sometimes unfortunately is pretty miserable but we don't have to love all of it all of the time there's a quote i'm just going to read from the book it says we know this because when we survey a group of people who are highly successful resilient and engaged and a contrast group of people who are less so the two best questions that they use in their research that separate these groups are these do you have a chance to play to your strengths every day were you excited to go to work every day last week the people who are thriving the most answer strongly agree to both of those questions so do you have a chance to play to your strengths every day and were you excited to go to work every day last week two pretty big questions so it goes to show that frequency trumps intensity and they reckon that you need to love or you know be really enjoying what you're doing around 20% of the time which means there's 80% of the time that you're you know fair to middling on what you're what you're up to at work so it means that you you don't need a whole quilt of red threads as to use some of Marcus's languages you just need to have enough of them through your everyday on a frequent basis, on a regular basis, in order to enjoy and to be thriving and successful in what you're doing and resilient in what you're doing. He goes a little bit deeper and says that you can write a love note to dig deeper. So if you say something, and this is the example in the book, like, oh, I love helping people. Get a bit deeper. Doesn't matter who you're helping. Doesn't matter when you're helping them, why you're helping them, what you're helping them with and how you're doing that. He says that your why matters. So this is where he sort of dismisses a little bit the idea of starting with why and your why being the most important. But he says that what you're doing matters so much more because that's really when you come back to those questions, did you have a chance to play to your strengths every day? Were you excited to go to work every day last week? The reason you're going to say yes or strongly agree to those questions is more likely to be about what you're doing rather than maybe why you're doing it. Although, you know, there is is a, a link or an importance of both of them. Really important here to note that your strength is not something that you're good at, but you hate doing, you're bored by, you're frustrated by. That is not a strength. It might be something you're good at, but it doesn't count as a strength. So that would not fall into that kind of 20% of things you love because yes, you might be great at it, but if you hate it, not really, not really going to be stimulating your excellence at work, is it? So that's big idea number two, a little bit of love every day. And this idea that frequency trumps intensity. Big idea number three is love and leadership. If you think that love has no place at work, if you think work is to be endured, then listen up. You don't just need to suck it up, as he says in the book. Love and work leaders prioritise their people as people. They dismiss or move away or push against some of the formulated systems and processes that are at work around performance reviews and goals and things like that, and really focus on the individual and their loves and getting into what it is that helps those people contribute. This idea that leaders who check in weekly with their team members have great results. I'll tell you a bit more about that in a moment. So he says a check in is a 15 minute conversation that you have with your team leader each week. Or if you are a team leader, you have with your team member each week about the upcoming week. The conversation is built on your answers to four short questions two about last week two about this next coming week. The questions are what activities did I love last week? What activities did I loathe last week? What are my priorities this coming week and what help do I need from you, my team leader, or what help do you need from me, the team leader, depending on which direction you're having that conversation. Team leaders who had this conversation every single week with their team members had engagement scores 77% higher than the control groups and attrition at 67% less than the control groups. That's pretty compelling, especially at the moment with the the talent uh, pool being a lot smaller and this, you know, a lot of people losing team members and attrition rates being higher than normal. So if you can reduce that by 67% by engaging with your people and really getting into bringing kind of love to work in this conversation. Now, the interesting thing is that this conversation, this check-in can be done in any manner of ways. So you can really personalize it for yourself, for your team. It can be email, can be text, can be voice can be face-to-face it actually doesn't matter there was no correlation or causation between the medium and the outcomes or the, the success rate it was really about did it happen and did it happen regularly you're not going to get those results if you just do it once and forget about it this has to happen every week and marcus says and i was a big fan of this that this is being a leader and if you don't want to do this the idea of this bores you horrifies you whatever you do really need to consider your role as a leader Now, if you've got too many people and you're thinking, I can never do that, I've got 50 people reporting to me, that's the thing to fix. Not ignoring this, but thinking, okay, how could this structure be different? Maybe you kind of put some informal positions in place where people can help do that for each other rather than you having to do it for 50 people. Marcus also presents some things that love and work organisations don't do. And these feel pretty bold because... Probably the organizations you're working for or have worked for or do work for or are leading probably do all of these things. So a love and work organization doesn't cascade goals down from up high because that interferes with people thinking about how they can bring what they love to do and bring it into contribution. They don't use performance rating because no one trusts them and therefore uh, it just causes negative or undesirable behaviors and outcomes, which isn't good. love and work organization doesn't use performance feedback tools Uh, I really liked his position on feedback this comes up in the interview he does with Stephen Butler on the diary of a CEO podcast talks about feedback is often advice and it's probably it's usually advice to make you more like me and I was like oh yes yes we've all done that we've all been there we've all received that we've all given that kind of feedback is if you did this more like I do you would be more successful which actually is just it's just rubbish isn't it now obviously there's a there's a uh, an exception for where it's actually a true or false kind of thing, like this, you, you cannot get the right answer by doing this. And that's probably where it's more processed, a little more technical. But anything that's remotely stylistic, that's where feedback needs to be more of a conversation rather than advice giving. Anyway, that's feedback. The love and work organization doesn't do cascaded talent reviews because it degrades trust across the entire organization. And nobody feels comfortable with that. It's, it just undoes any level of ability for people to be valued for being them and doing things differently. And it also drives that kind of, this idea of uh, completeness. You need to be complete. You need to have all of these different skills, tick off on the skills matrix, etc., or the competency matrix for you to be a valued employee. And finally, the Love and Work Organisation doesn't conduct centralised employee opinion surveys because, again, it removes trust and you should be focusing on those as a team and that kind of conversation as a team rather than as an organisation. So, those are the things that the Love and Work Organisation doesn't do it doesn't cascade goals, it doesn't use performance ratings, it doesn't use feedback tools, it doesn't do cascaded talent reviews, and it doesn't conduct centralised employee opinion surveys. Like I said, they feel pretty bold, and there's you'd have to read kind of more into the books. have got there's more in there than I could possibly share right now around some of the alternatives and some things to do instead. And if that feels like no, how can an organization ever achieve any results if we're just pandering to everyone's needs? Again, there's lots of thought provoking stuff in here that makes you think a little bit differently about structure of organizations, about how to have those conversations, and really there's you know there's a big chunk at the end of the book around the education system and how we start setting people up for failure and starting setting people up for this kind of you are this and you are not that and you must be more complete at really early age and it's really quite depressing in terms of the impact on people as they get into work and as they get into relationships and all of those types of things so that's big idea number three love and leadership so we go three big ideas from the book love and work by marcus buckingham big idea number one you are weird but nobody cares big idea number two a little bit of love every day and big idea number three love and leadership like I said I'm going to be reviewing this book properly this week's bookmark newsletter make sure you sign up for that and if you've missed the time it goes out which is Tuesday lunchtime Australia East Coast time currently all of the East Coast time actually yeah I have to check always have to check that Uh, then you can still click the link and you'll be able to see the newsletters because it's done on Substack hosted on Substack which means you can see all the previous editions and any other reviews and things you've missed as well so if you've missed the time if you're listening to this later in the week do not fear, click the link, you can, the next one will make sure it goes straight to your inbox but you can still read this week's as well. That's it, if you've read this book, if it's prompted any food for thought for you in your roles as, as a leader, in your organisation, in something you're building, whatever it is, I'd love to hear from you. As usual, contact details are at the bottom of the show notes. You can best find me on LinkedIn, Steph Clark, or on Instagram at Steph's Biz Bookshelf. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading.